From Bristol, UK, I'm Pommy Harmer. And I am Melissa Shemam. And this is The Quarantini. We're bringing you this podcast every week to keep your spirits up and until lockdown in the UK has completely ended. And though we don't exactly know when that will be, with every week we'll bring you a mix of ingenious responses to the virus and creative ideas for the future. Maybe also a dash of the unexpected. Welcome to the Quarantini. This is the beginning of Series 2. This week marks the beginning of a slightly new format as we emerge gently out of lockdown into a new world. It's a bit like we're changing the cocktail recipe, Melissa. What do you think? Mm, Sounds great. I totally agree, Pommy. And personally, I'd love to address some of the main issues that we need to bring into a form of positive change, right? Maybe on the theme of uh, the environment, social change, uh, workers' rights, but also energy, transport, how we can better our city here in Bristol, but also elsewhere. Like, you know, we had an interviewee every week and personally I'd love to bring in people from other places that I've lived in or that I love, especially like France or Italy and even West Africa and beyond. Yes, that is our aim, isn't it? To bring you ideas that people have had during lockdown of how they would like the world to change, how would they would like their own community to change and what can be put in place now. So it might be that people have, I don't know, always wanted more cycle routes in a city and now we're going to have them. It's happening all over Europe. All cities are replanning their streets and that is largely as a result of there being a lot less traffic on the street and people have seen what it could be like. Well, yes, I totally agree with that and we, we've seen that with like some uh, signs being added here in Bristol, Berlin and Milan, um, adding some cycle lines in, in my hometown Paris as well. It's a huge part of the debate at the moment for the local elections. So it's nice to see as well how so many places in in different locations, in different countries have now the same issues and we can use our energy and compare our experiences to learn from them. And Bristol is a great place to start this discussion. So hopefully we'll we'll hear from you and we'll, we'll gain momentum to talk about some of this issue more in depth. Meanwhile, we have episode nine starting the new series. What do we have coming up in today's show? I think we have an interview. Pommy, tell us more. We have an interview with Jack Salt. He's a Bristol-based beatboxer. So this is a bit of light relief coming up later. He's talking about how he's adapted his beatboxing business to the virus. I love that. It's very unexpected in a way. (laughs) And of course, we'll have the mix-up part of the show, including some of the usual roundup of uh, exciting responses to the coronavirus. And for the dash of something exciting, we've got music from the Clark family this week. Colt Clark and the Quarantine Kids. This is an amazing family who ordinarily homeschool their three children. And what they've done during lockdown is to teach the children a song every other day and put it out on YouTube. Now, Colt Clark is the dad and he is a professional musician and he plays guitar and sings. Then he's got two boys, one of which is an amazing drummer and the other plays bass guitar. And then the third child is a little girl who sings at the front and does funky dance moves. This is all filmed by Colt's wife and their mum, Aubrey. 
They've even made it onto the Ellen Show. That was the wondrous Clark family singing Happy Together. I've spent so many diverting hours, for research purposes, watching this family and they never fail to lift my spirits. Yes, find them on YouTube and you'll be entertained for hours just like Pommy was. (laughs) Okay, it's now time for our weekly roundup. Let's just remind listeners how they can get hold of us. Yes, please send us some ideas or share your stories about your lockdown life and how you your resilience has been boosted or your plans to change the world at the quarantine podcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. So what have we got first on the list, Melissa? So in terms of change, Bristol has had a busy week, Pommy. What do you think? We've had a really intense couple of weeks, haven't we? I don't think anybody has missed what has happened on um, Sunday last week uh, with the march to support the Black Lives Matter movement. And since then, you know, a lot has been announced to support the BAME communities. Um, as you know, they have already been struck much harder by the COVID-19 crisis because a, a lot of them are nurses or working for the NHS. A lot of them are key workers, so they have been um, directly exposed, but also they have got a higher rate of um, infection with the disease. So what we can see is that the fall of um, this statue of Edward Colston symbolizing you know, the oppression and the slavery past of Bristol with the whole of the UK as well, has started an interesting debate and um, I wrote about it, I think you've talked about it on um, Ujima, obviously. 
And now we've already seen a lot of change happening. And the Callstone Hall had promised to change the name. Now they're saying they're going to announce the new name before September. And a lot of Caribbean British people, especially filmmakers and artists, have launched project and fundraising appeals. I'm just going to give you one example because there are many, but we'll get back to that. It's one project called Bristol African Caribbean Cultural Space. So the idea is to have um, a place in Bristol to display uh, more of um, artists discussing the history of uh, Caribbean people in the UK. They have a page on Go Found Me, Bristol African Caribbean Cultural Space. They've already raised a lot and um, it started by Michael Jenkins, who's done a lot of films and he's also worked with Lawrence Hu who's having his own projects so you know it feels exciting because Bristol is at the heart of um, a lot of interesting positive changes not only uh, difficult conversation. Absolutely and I think one of the exciting things about the protest in Bristol last Sunday was that it was organised and led by young people it was so passionate and so peaceful and I thought we should celebrate what young people are achieving, not only here in Bristol, but right the way around the world around coronavirus. We found that we found young people doing amazing things in Malaysia, India and Cameroon, just to name three countries out of many. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it was a year of protest in many countries around the world. So one group um, that was hit particularly hard by the restrictions obviously have been refugees. I've been working with refugees for years. So uh, there are nearly 180,000 refugees and asylum seekers in Malaysia. And the majority of them are persecuted minorities from Myanmar, and Malaysia doesn't really legally recognize refugee rights or refugee status. So that means um, some adults have no rights and children cannot even attend school. What is brilliant is that Idika, a 26-year-old woman who runs um, this NGO, Refuge for Refugees, has provided schooling for children. And um, she said the restriction had, had a big impact on an already vulnerable group. They have collected a list of a thousand people each week registering for food aid and they also have uh, delivered that food to more than 41,000 people across nearly a thousand locations and they deliver the food themselves with two delivery days each week and 90 volunteers. That's extraordinary and Heidi's only 26. And in Cameroon, which is currently the worst hit country in Central African region, another 26-year-old called Ashaleke Christian has brought together his friends and colleagues to start manufacturing and delivering free hand sanitizer to Cameroonians. And he's turned his office into a lab. How amazing is that? He's invested his salary and redirected part of a grant he received for his conflict work, which is what he normally does, to buy sterilisation equipment. And he's organised a whole team of volunteers, bringing in a young medical doctor, a young nurse, two pharmacists and a water hygiene engineer. And now more than 350 young volunteers have joined his efforts and produced more than 15,000 bottles and distributed them to more than 12,000 households in 70 communities across the country. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's brilliant. Well, great form of resilience. Continuing the list in India, a young pediatrician from Delhi 
the Dr. Radhika Batra, realized that people might well end up dying of hunger rather than the virus itself um, when the curfew was imposed. So she organized the delivery of uh, groceries to 850 people, plus, of course, delivery of PPE to health workers, including more than a thousand masks, face shields, hazmat suits, bottles of sanitizers and protective goggles. Uh, all of these items were paid for through donations from individual donors, families and, and societies. And of course, a crowdfunding campaign. You can find more online about her and her crowdfunding. So that's three young people all over the world doing amazing things um, and and inspiring other people to do it with them. Yeah, luckily, maybe we'll be able to, to speak with some of them one day in this podcast. That's a great idea. We'll try that. Now, we have our interview for you. Yes, this is the main interview of the show. And this week, for a bit of light relief, we have Jack Salt. If you remember, we had a tiny snatch of some beatboxing at the end of last week's episodes. And I was delighted to catch up with him this week and find out more about it. So, Jack, you're a beatboxer. How did you become a beatboxer? Well, um, I started quite late, actually. Lots of beatboxers tend to start when they're, when they're about two years old these days. Um, but I started uh, when I moved out to Spain when I was 21. I started beatboxing to kind of entertain myself as I walked around the streets of uh, southern Spain. And, and then I met other people who were rappers and singers and, and musicians. And I found that we all wanted to practice our our things so uh i found myself like a kind of portable drum machine for all these other people i've seen you perform in bristol with the murmuration choir that was yeah. quite a thing so there you were be doing your beatboxing with this whole choir surrounding you how was that amazing yeah that, i mean the, that gig you were at was probably my favorite gig that we've done as well with cosmo sheldrake at, um at trinity center and um, yeah the uh, playing with the choir is amazing it's it's quite a quite a rush to be, I know, to, to be able to beatbox with, I mean, we have, we're up to like 72 people uh, before lockdown came in. So it's a real, it's amazing. Uh, it's just amazing being around so many incredible voices and feeling all of those frequencies flying about the place. Uh, it's quite, uh, quite an amazing feeling and also great to be able to sing as well. I've been really enjoying learning how to sing, sing more through that project as well. And you mentioned that you teach beatboxing and of course we've gone into lockdown. So tell me how that's going. How have you had to change the way you teach? Um, before lockdown, I was teaching, I'm, I'm also an English teacher as well. So I was teaching um, beatbox and English and then lockdown kicked in and suddenly, well, I lost almost all of my English classes because they all had to move back to Spain because they lost all their jobs. And I started, yeah, just uh, suggesting to my to some of my students that we switch over to Zoom. And I gave it a go. I wasn't I was a bit sceptical to see whether it would work because you don't you can't do anything at the same time it's very you know because of the latency because of the delay you have to wait <laughs> um and i gave it a go and it worked and then i put up a couple of videos um on facebook and they just had an incredible response of people and i went from having maybe three private students to having 15 in about two weeks after lockdown started so i actually managed to in a different way, 
have, uh, find about as much work as I had before lockdown started, basically, which was crazy. It's an extraordinary thing that you've learned to do. What's the history of beatboxing? Who was the first oh, beatboxer? Wow. Um, some of the first beatboxers were people like uh, someone, uh, Dougie Fresh was one of them. And I think Bismarcky was another one as well. So this is like in the early days when hip hop was starting in the 80s um, in the States. And there was a machine called a beatbox, like an actual physical machine where you could program simple beats into it and it would loop around this beat so that early the early rappers could could practice their beats. But basically this thing was quite was too expensive for people like living in in poor parts uh, of cities uh, who were basically the people emceeing so so they couldn't they couldn't afford these uh, uh, machines and then someone or some people had the, had the bright idea of imitating this machine which was called a beatbox and that's where the term human beatbox came about this is just completely my guess but I reckon it's the fastest growing instrument in the world because it is incredible how many new beatboxes there are every day and how good they are. And they're all over the world and it's all being spread around kind of YouTube tutorials and there's all these beatbox battles and competitions happening everywhere. And it's a very, it's a community that learns very quickly off each other. And because it's, it's an instrument that's relatively new, it's still being discovered. What the world champion is doing one week is, is then... Uh, you know, everyone, everyone can do it within a few weeks <laughs> and they're having to find something different to do to be original. So it's constantly the boundaries are being pushed and new sounds are being brought out all the time. And the fact that we all have different mouths as well is an interesting part about um, of it because beatboxing is a lot more original. Like there are sounds that some, only some people can do and everyone has their strengths and weaknesses within it. And it's very much to do with their mouths is very much to do with the language that they their, their, their natural way of speaking in their own language for example and the influences that they have musically uh yeah so it's a, it's a big world and it's growing exponentially in a in a crazy in crazy ways do you have to have a lot of breath for it it feels like you have to have a lot of breath um not really i mean i think from from doing it you do like generally build up a bigger kind of uh lung capacity but it's you actually make sounds uh, breathing in quite a lot. So people, it looks like you're hyperventilating half of the time if you're not if when you don't know what people are doing. It looks like you're going like the way you're breathing is more like, <sighs> and then you're just you know, find, you know finding ways to breathe in. But in fact, it's quite shallow breathing. So if I'm doing a beat like um, like. For that, I'm actually breathing really shallow. I'm, do- I'm actually just going. So it's actually really shallow breathing. It's not very, uh, I'm not hyperventilating at all. So you find sounds that go, uh, that you can make when you're breathing out and when you're breathing in. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, so Jack, just finally, perhaps you could give us a little bit of a, a run around what you can do with your mouth and your breath. Okay, uh, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Let's have a go.
Fabulous. So many different noises came out of you then. That was just extraordinary. Thank you so much, Jack, for talking to us today and for sharing a quarantini with us, a beatboxing quarantini. So that was Jack Salt talking to me about his beatboxing. So that's it for the Quarantini this week. We'll be back next week with a new cocktail of ideas and positive news for you all. And remember, this is series two, so it's going to be a bit different with uh, exploring different themes. So what would be great is to hear from you as well. You can get hold of us by emailing us at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was hosted by me, Melissa Shaman. And was hosted and produced by me, Pomi Harmer. Thanks for listening. And stay safe.